What can Curtis Samuel do for you in week 14? Is Logan Thomas ready to assume must-flex status this weekend in the FFPC? And should you start entertaining the thought of benching Miles Sanders in the championship round? Plus, the regular season points champ in the Football Guys Players Championship, Zach Lacani, will stop by to talk Raiders running backs, who is viable to start in Denver this weekend, and much more. We've got a great show for you. Farrell Elliott is here. I'm Eric Balkman. Stick around. Your high-stakes fantasy football hour starts now. I can't stand the pressure. I've seen greater men than me. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now listening to the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com, with your hosts, Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here's Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. Hey, thanks so much, Rob. Greetings and salutations, all of you Balkaholics and Freliacs. Thanks to the Quiet Hollers for our theme music tonight. Remember to check out their music at quiethollers.com. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I am, of course, your slightly above average co-host, excuse me, slightly above average, well, I guess I am a co-host of the show, Eric Balkman, and and my co-host, the other co-host of the show, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. Please welcome in Farrell Elliott. Farrell, how are we doing tonight? I, you know, we're doing very well. I think we do better as co-hosts than some of the NFL people do as co-general managers. I think I think we're doing pretty pretty much uh, – I think we're doing okay, Bucky, as compared to some of the other co's in the uh, business world of football that we see once in a while. Hey, would you ever like? Would you ever pursue or have you thought about working in an NFL front office? Because I think you could pull that off pretty easily. Well, you know, uh, a lot of those guys are coming through the management council, and they're a lot younger now than I am. Uh, Jim Finks, the late great Jim Finks, who was the general manager of uh, Minnesota Vikings, and when I got to know him, especially, he was with the general manager of the New Orleans Saints, and and, and I think he was getting close to offering me a job. Now, I probably would have been too stupid to take it, but the, <laughs> you know, because I've always loved my working with players, uh, but from the agent side, but there have been, you know, there have been, been movements from agents into uh, executive offices before. And uh, yeah, it, it, that probably would have been my opportunity. Uh, Mr. Fink's uh, unexpectedly, uh, suffered a stroke and then other uh, medical complications took him from us too very soon. But he was one of the finest. He was one of the finest general managers that that ever uh, graced an NFL office. And if I had learned a little bit from him, I would have been okay. So yeah, that would have been a nice gig. Well, the uh, the 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 uh, the good part about it, the silver lining for us, is we get to enjoy your dulcet tones and your expert analysis on the HSFF Hour tonight, and we're going to pick your brain. We're also going to discuss whether jumping all in on DeAndre Swift is the right call against Green Bay, whether Kiki QT needs to find a way onto your lineups this weekend, and Zach Lacani will also uh, hop in in about uh, 10 minutes or so to break down how he won the regular season points title in the Football Guys Players Championship. Uh, shout out to the chat room right now. We got the mascot in there and the former co-host of the show. It is Two Packer. It is the Dizzle hanging out talking uh, in there right now. We'll you know get a what? few more people in there as the. Oh yeah, yeah. They they they, uh, they come they come for the bulky. They stay for the feral. I think that's what they say. <laughs> okay, something yeah, something maybe. like that. Right. Um, you. You can uh, you can uh, connect with us on Twitter as well. We're at HSFFR. I'm at Eric Balkman. And of course, 
Check out more if you want to learn about Farrell's uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Do so at KFFSC.com. Uh, championship round starting there this weekend for the main event. Very exciting to see that leaderboard uh, switch over the next uh, few weeks as well. We're on Facebook slash HSFF Hour if you want to connect with us on there. And then, of course, you can always give us a call, 347-426-3682. Email the show at the inbox, football at gmail.com. We'll try to... Get to all the questions, the tweets, and the emails coming up in the fantasy feedback segment, which is the final segment of the program tonight. And uh, the guys monitoring that, it's our audio engineer, my best friend Bryce, and our producer and mutual friend Rob. A couple of uh, programming notes uh, right away at the top of the show. Just want to remind everybody that you can check out the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. This week we had Rick Raymaker on. Um, that is at rotoviz.com slash podcast. Of course, Rick, a longtime uh, FFPC cohort. He's got teams. Uh, I believe 21st in the FPC and 85th in the main event overall right now. So he's got a chance to win a couple of half million dollar prizes uh, over the next three weeks as well. He gives us some insight on the week 14 lineups, uh, strategy, how it changes in the championship round and much more. Rotoviz.com slash podcast. Also want to remind everybody, uh, if you, I just had a buddy asking me the other day, hey, are you guys going to bring back your playoff challenge? Why, yes, the FFPC is. In fact, it is live right now and accepting registrations. That's right. The 2020-2021 world-famous FFPC playoff challenge is back at myffpc.com. $500,000 grand prize, almost $1.1 million in prizes, $200 entry fee. And don't forget, the Football Guys players, uh, excuse me, the Football Guys playoff challenge is back for year two as well. $35 to enter that, you can win $100,000, almost $400,000 in the prize pool there. Uh, that is going to pay out. And I, I know the um, – I got to check that out right now. But I know the playoff challenge pays very deep. It's uh, maybe the deepest we've ever had it. Football guys is paying all the way down uh, right now to 1,800th place, which is pretty crazy. Um, if you join it, you've got a great chance at cashing in. On, uh, on some cash right there. And then in the uh, FFPC playoff challenge, that one is going to pay um, all the way down to, as it, uh, and I'm sorry, my computer is not cooperating with me, 700th place in that one. They're both at myffpc.com. Uh, very exciting stuff. Can't wait to award a half million dollar grand prize and a six figure grand prize there in the Football Guys playoff challenge as well. Um, all right, let's get into it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, tonight I want to thank Football Guys. I want to thank Draft Sharks, Roto World, and Rob, of course, for tonight's Fantasy Flash. Let's talk a little bit about what we saw in that Rams Patriots game last night, Farrell. 29 carries for Cam Akers. He turns that into 171 yards, also gets two catches for 23 yards. Outtouched Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown combined 31 to 2. 55 snaps for Akers. Henderson had seven, Malcolm Brown had six. He had 194 total scrimmage yards. That was the 12th most by any player all season. 5.9 yards per carry. Now, his Rams offensive line opened up some pretty big holes to that Patriots defense, but four carries of 10-plus run yards. He looked awesome, uh, and, and I, I, we always talk about that player to own, that player that is going to set the championship round on fire, Farrell. Did we get a preview of Cam Akers, what he's going to do the next two weeks? Did we see it last night? It's about time. I think the Rams have been looking or maybe plotting to have a fresh-legged running back and have their guy. You alluded to this a few weeks ago from one of your Rotoviz shows, and I think you guys determined that this was the player, and you were correct. You just had to be patient and wait till we get him in the lineup. Now, a couple things that concern me about the Los Angeles Rams as they go up against the Jets and the Seahawks, and this, this coach has a tendency to take his foot off the gas. And uh, he did that uh, He did that by uh, Baker's 29 carries, you say. Um, yes. He did that by just continually feeding the ball to Akers. And Akers made um, good runs. He, he had great help from the offensive line, but he's, he's a great cutback runner. And he, he gained some yards uh, after being contacted. Uh, he he worked through the gap a couple times. I think he selected his own gap very very quickly, uh, uh, a la Le'Veon Bell back in uh, the best days of, of his career. So with Jets and Seahawks, um, they'll push the Jets around pretty impressively. Will will they still continue to try to score the ball? And that's that's what has me uh, shaking my head a little bit about the Rams. And I tell you, it's it's bad for 
fantasy football across all players with the Rams. It's it's bad for this running back if they so do it. But it, if for Rams fans, it could potentially, uh, as we get later in the season and later in the playoffs, uh, bite them in the uh, in the proverbial hindquarters. So I, I'm yeah. I'm still a little bit uh, I question a little bit about how they're going to use him. But yes, it's about time. Uh, the rookie out of Florida State gets his opportunity, and it was a sterling opportunity Thursday night. Sue Packer chiming in in the chat, you draft Acres for the last five weeks and not the first five. And while he's saying that tongue-in-cheek, there is some truth to that as well as we move forward. Two weeks to go for Acres, as Farrell pointed out, Jets in Week 15, Seahawks in Week 16. Um, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. Here's some news coming out of Carolina today. Curtis Samuel was activated from the reserve COVID-19 list. Uh, the last five days, he was not with the team. Um, however, Matt Rule said today he expects Curtis Samuel to play on Sunday. Now, I don't know if he's going to be out there for 20 snaps, 30 snaps, 50 snaps. I'm not really sure. Um, what I do know is that DJ Moore was not activated from the COVID-19 list, which means he is going to miss Sunday's game. Farrell, uh, Robbie Anderson, to me, is a must-start. Um, I'm, I'm breaking ties in favor of him. I'm playing him in a lot of leagues this week. Um, but Curtis Samuel, how, how do you feel about him as a first or second flex play in a Football Guys Players Championship or main event uh, championship round team? He's been so successful. You throw out his, uh, his bad game in the last four, came against the Tampa Bucks, and, and, and that could happen to anyone. Against Atlanta, against Kansas City, against Detroit – 20 fantasy points uh, per game plus. I expect the same thing against Denver. It does not matter at this point of the season, especially in a player like Samuel. I look at all the different places he lines up and how he must know that playbook and how they utilize him. Curtis Samuel probably knows this offense as well as Teddy Bridgewater does. And Rest right now for a player like this is more valuable than reps. Don't let that hesitate putting Samuel in your lineup, playing with him. Without McCaffrey, who, who all of us thought week 14 would be the magic week and he's not here, uh, without more, Samuel will get plenty of action. However many however many snaps he's on the field for, you can pretty much count on him being a, a targeted uh, aspect of this offense. Curtis Samuel has had several successful weeks uh, this year. When Christian McCaffrey's been out, a lot of those passes and targets have gone to Samuel, and he's taken advantage of one. I'm, I'm with uh, the commissioner on this one. I think you've got to find a way to get Samuel in as a flex uh, this week. We have Zach Wakani, the uh, Football Guys Players Championship regular season points leader uh, champion, coming in in just a couple of minutes here. Before we get to Zach, uh, let's talk Texans here. This is interesting. Romeo Cornell, who is the interim head coach there, actually said there's a possibility that David Johnson – might miss week 14 against Chicago. And I think since I put this together, Johnson is on the uh, COVID-19 list. So uh, I can't imagine he travels to Chicago. And he had just come back from this uh, concussion issue that put him on injured reserve. Um, the Bears' defense has been um, shambles lately. However, they've only allowed nine rushing touchdowns all season. Duke Johnson was a little bit banged up this week as well. Farrell, I think the last time we talked about Duke Johnson, I was much more bullish on him than you were, and I believe you ended up being pretty correct on your on your assertion that Duke Johnson would let a lot of people down. Uh, do you think he does that again this week against Chicago if he is indeed the last man standing in that backfield? I think so. Um, I, I wanted to take a look, and I, I didn't get to take a shot at the Houston depth chart at the running back position, but, you know, this is a team – without a general manager. Now, they, they didn't have a general manager uh, last season either. Uh, they let the head coach. Uh, he was, I don't know, it was very, very strange. It's been strange for a long time at Houston. You take a look at the teams in this division, teams he's competing against. They have a rookie uh, who's, who's going to knock on 1,000 uh, yards over at Jacksonville this week. Look at all these excellent running backs that are on the Indianapolis Colts roster. Tennessee uh, has King Henry and a bunch of complimentary backs that can help the team. And here the Texans go on the road after playing some pretty good offensive football in the last couple of weeks. 
and they've got to turn to Duke Johnson to carry the load. There's so many good running backs available on other rosters. But it, you know, it just shows a team that has no leadership in the front office, and that's why we're going to get Duke Johnson here. And Duke Johnson uh, makes everyone else that you may have rostered uh, from the Texans a more difficult play because they have limited other answers. Hell, I would love to see someone from that depth chart uh, establish themselves and uh, get an opportunity to uh, separate themselves uh, with with, uh, good play against the Bears, but I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, I mean, they got Buddy Howell. They got Scotty Phillips. I'm not a fan of either of those. They do have C.J. Proceis, who I I guess Mm -hmm. could could make a dent on on third downs there. Um, But I think you're right. You know, sometimes when you have to craft a a reason and and craft an argument and you work hard at crafting an argument to play certain players, maybe the easiest argument is just, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be playing these guys. And I think, especially when you're trying to win a half million dollars, Uh, sitting Duke Johnson is is probably in your best interest. Last thing I want to bring up before Zach Lacani comes on, uh, Daryl Bevel, who's the interim coach in Detroit, said DeAndre Swift is trending toward playing against the Packers on Sunday. Swift listed officially as questionable, got in a limited practice every single day this uh, this week. Farrell, we know the, uh, the narrative about the Packers' rush defense. It's not good. And it's below average. Um, now, now it has improved over the last few weeks, but I, you know I see it firsthand. It, it can be exploited, and I think you're going to see that again this week. Even with Swift missing the last two weeks, even with him getting in nothing but limited practices, and the fact that Adrian Peterson is still going to uh, usurp some carries from him, I still feel like you got to find a way to get Swift in as a top 20 running back this week. You know, if you've made the championship round, you've probably got better choices. So if you're you're a real gambler if you do that. And do you see a 20 or 30-point game from this player? I don't. You might have other guys that can deliver that. Looking forward, this player is an exciting guy for next year. And, you know, but right now, I'm just not so sure we can trust what we hear from the NFL when it comes to head injuries. Head injury is – and in this player's case, I heard some things. I couldn't substantiate any of them, but I heard some things uh, that, that he did not react well uh, to the concussion protocols, that he was having a very, very difficult time with it, a lot of headaches, a lot of discomfort. I, I don't know if I want to trust – if I worked hard to get here, I've got good players on my roster. Swift is exciting, but I don't know if I want to trust him over some of the other players that just might do as well. Yeah. I think Adrian Peterson was saying something like that, that he was really struggling and he didn't look like himself. And, and uh, so I think there is something to be said for that with Swift and you may have better options, quite frankly. I mean, you're in the championship round and if you have made it this far, uh, you you certainly had other running backs to carry you there. Um, So, you know, every team is different and, um, and we'll, um, we'll do our best to try to answer some more running back questions to help you sort of flesh out that DeAndre Swift thing and what we think of him in week 14. Before we do that, let's bring in tonight's guest, ladies and gentlemen. I want to welcome him in right now. It's his sixth year in the FFPC, his first major run at the $500,000 in the Football Guys Players Championship. He used his dynasty winnings in the FFPC last year to invest into a trio of Football Guys three-packs this season. One of those squads, sits atop the other 10,799 teams going in to the championship round of the competition this weekend. You follow him on Twitter at Zach, Z-A-K, 4477. And now, please help me bring him into the show. It's Zach Lacani. Thanks for hopping aboard tonight, man. Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me on. Hi, Farrell. Hi, Zach. This is uh, awesome to... Well, we're, listen, I'm going to tell you why we're thrilled. Number one, you won the regular season points title. Number two, um, it is like pulling teeth to try to get guests on in December at the top of the leaderboard because they feel like they're going to jinx themselves and then they won't finish with <laughs> the money or, or they won't win the big grand prize. So, I'm, Zach, I'm glad we can get the regular season points title champ uh, from the FPC this year onto the show. That is tremendous and, well, and uh, good on you. That's good karma, my friend, well, thank to, you. Uh, to come on. It's my, it's my honor to be on, so thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of your show, so thank you. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's always good to get a listener on, uh, too. And, and we do want to talk fantasy football. Zach, uh, before we get to that, can you tell us what you're doing for a living? 
Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm an accounting manager for an agriculture company out here in California. We're an essential business, so I've been busy working through this football season while a lot of people are working from home. But, uh, yeah, I can't complain. It's kept me busy and kept me from tinkering with my lineups too much. Tinkering with your lineups could be a problem when you draft (laughs) a team as good as yours. What is, uh, you know, you got up from the tight. Did you draft at home or did you draft live? I, no, I, I drafted from home. I, actually, I think this team was a slower draft. I enjoyed the slow two-hour drafts a lot more. Um, yes, I, just, I just like having my time, not feeling rushed, and gives me a little more time to come up with a strategy and not make panic moves. So I do enjoy that part of it more. Oh, yeah, FBC, all, all of these drafts obviously are from home and online. But when you drafted it, when you got up mm-hmm. from the table, and I love the slow drafts, I'm right there with you. Did you feel that you had this kind of team? Or, or were there things you did in the season that made it even better? Uh, because it, this this is a great accomplishment. Congratulations. Uh, thank, thank you, Farrell. Well, you, you know, obviously, you never think you're going to finish first out of, like, almost 11,000 people. Uh, but, you know, when I, when I got done with my draft, I felt I actually did feel really good about the team. Uh, I had a few things I wanted to try. I wanted, you know, I wanted to build a lineup where I draft Kelsey early, you know, have my tight end position set. Uh, I was targeting Keenan Allen. You know, I, I never understood in the preseason why Keenan Allen was falling to the fourth, fifth, sixth round in draft. I, 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 I genuinely think he's a top five, seven wide receiver in the NFL. So I know there was some Tyrod Taylor uncertainty, but uh, I was thrilled to get him. And uh, I think the thing I did different for this draft that I think made a big difference was normally I always wait on a quarterback. Uh, but uh, I was uh, picking in the eighth round, and Russell Wilson was right there. And, oh, wow. uh, yeah, and, and, you know, I already had Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson, and I figured, you know, I, I like stacking my teams. I feel like if you're going to make a run in a tournament like this, it's great to have stacks because if they go off, it really does work out. And, obviously, I can't complain it did. So oh, man, I was happy about that. Yeah, and Zach, you you mentioned it about drafting the quarterback a little bit earlier, um, which I, I think has kind of hamstrung some of my teams this year because I'm so I, I get so stubborn about waiting on a quarterback, and sometimes it's to my own detriment. But I'm just kind of curious. Outside of that, did you feel that you took a strategic change this year, a drafting uh, philosophical change to anything differently? Because um, you know you've had success before but never success to this degree in the football guys players championship, or was it just as simple as like, look, I got to, I got to bend my own rule here and, and take my quarterback a little bit early and, and see how it turns out. No, you know, that, that was definitely part of it, especially for this team, but I have other teams that I think did pretty well. I had another team finish in the top 800 that I think I have Kirk cousins and Philip rivers who I'm debating between starting. So I definitely waited on quarterback there. Um, no, I think the other thing I probably did differently this year is just, you know, it's a mindset change. I've always been, you know, I don't like boom bust players, but I think in a tournament like this, it, 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 it does well for you to have those kind of players. One, you're not worried about head to head weeks as much. You're just worried about getting total points. So, you know, in the past, I don't think I would have taken a player like Tyler Lockett, for example, and this year I saw him sitting there and I'm like, you know, let's just go for the upside. Hope he gives you those 30, 35 point weeks. And then you can deal with the mediocre weeks when they come along. Yeah, Zach, you feel that you've talked about uh, some of the top uh, players for your team. Who do you have at tight end? Has that been, do you have a set it and forget it tight end? Or are you, you running some different guys into that position? No. So my first round pick was Travis Kelsey. I, I wanted that. I had the eighth pick. I was thrilled to get him. I wanted the set it and forget. I just think with Kelsey, I think it's the biggest advantage you can have over your opponent any given week uh, compared to any other position in fantasy football. There's just such a big gap, I feel. And I know Darren Waller's done well the last couple of weeks, but I just feel like Kelsey is just such an advantage, you know? So I was thrilled to have Kelsey for this team. Going early at tight end is always a good move when you can get the most the, the elite player to make the difference in the in the FFPC. Do you have any other tight end that you flex in from time to time? Yeah, well, I I did in the ninth round. I picked up Dallas Goddard. I was happy with that. I I came into the year thinking 
I was down on Zach Ertz. You know, I sold him off. I traded him off in a couple of my fantasy teams. I did not, mm-hmm. I did not want to deal with Zach Ertz this year. And then the contract uncertainties. I thought Dallas Goddard would get a good run. Now, I didn't think the Philadelphia offense would completely fall apart like it did. But I'm, yeah. I'm happy to have Dallas Goddard as my backup tight end, you know? Why not? Um, yeah. You, exactly, yeah. You could do a lot worse. Um, it, let me ask you this. Um, spe- speaking of Philly, let's stay in that division because I, I think sure. a tight end that has really come on these last couple of weeks has been Logan Thomas. Um, I'm not sure if you own him anywhere this year, Zach, but I'm, I'm just kind of curious, given his performance just the last few weeks, knowing that this, the FFPC is a tight end premium format, do owners have to find a way to get him in as a flex or, or as a starting tight end, um, knowing that you're going to get that little extra half point per catch from him? Yeah, I mean, so I was actually pretty high on Logan Thomas coming into the year. I think I have him on like five or six of my – my FFTC teams. I have him on a couple of my dynasty teams. Um, but to answer your question, I, I'm not, I don't think he's, you know, I, I'm not very comfortable starting him this week unless I really have no choice. Uh, I would still start someone like Hunter Henry or Evan Ingram over him. Uh, I don't, you know, for one thing, I don't like the matchup. San Francisco is incredibly difficult uh, on tight ends. I know they gave up a touchdown to Dawson Knox this week, but I think that's an anomaly. I think, I think, I think San Francisco is a tough matchup for any any tight end, uh, to be honest. And secondly, um, I still I still need to see Alex Smith lead that offense a little more and make sure he is targeting Logan Thomas. I think there is going to be more of an effort to target Trey McLaurin this week. So you know, I, I like Logan Thomas. I like the player a lot. I I don't think I'll be using him a lot this week. Guys, I think Probably. he has one startable opportunity down the stretch, and that's. That's uh, the sandwich game uh, week 15 with the Seahawks uh, who are at the Absolutely. bottom of tight end defense. But, but I, you know, I agree with you. And this is a player that always intrigued me because I thought about mm-hmm. a late round draft pick for him and I never pulled the trigger converted college quarterback. And you wonder when, you know, he's a true journeyman and he's pushing 30, 31 years old in the league. So yeah. if I'm going to draft him ever, it's going to have to be pretty soon. I'm glad to see, I'm glad to see he's having some success. I'm glad to see a player like you has him on some teams with an opportunity yeah. to play him. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's, it's easy to be enamored by his fantasy points the last few weeks, but one of those weeks was just a fluke touchdown pass that he made against Dallas, I believe. And that gave him a lot of points, but, that's not something you expect to see replicated. And I think last week against uh, the Steelers, that was his, that was the first time this year he had more than four catches in any game. So yeah, I mean, oh, it was, it was a I, career game. It was a career. Yeah, game. absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, and maybe the Gibson injury gives him a little more chance. Alex Smith does like to check it down, but I'd have to see more before I trust him to be sure. Smart. We're talking with uh, Zach Lacani, the uh, Football Guys Players Championship regular season points title winner this year here on the HSFF Hour. Um, This is a question that we'll probably get more of a definitive answer on tomorrow based on what John Gruden said today. Uh, But but we'll find out if if Josh Jacobs is a go for this uh, Sunday's game or not. Mm -hmm. Um, If he is not, Zach, we saw what Devontae Booker did last week, which it wasn't, he didn't fall on his face, but it wasn't great. Um, so you look right. at, let's just, for the sake of this argument, or for the sake of this question, let's assume Jacobs does miss. Um, how confident yeah. would you feel about playing Devontae Booker this week, or, or is he a guy that you would try to shy away from, if at all possible? Um, no, I mean, obviously, you know, it depends on who you have. But I, I, I'm okay. You know, if, if Jacobs is not playing, I, I think uh, Booker slides in as a low-end RB2 for me. I think... I think, you know, I, I do think the volume is going to be there for him. He, he had 16, 17 touches last week. Uh, I, I would assume they try to use him a little more in the passing game because they were doing that when Jacobs was healthy. So I would expect more than the one catch he had last week. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's not, easy to be, it's not easy to find a running back that's going to have 16, 17 touches. The Colts defense is, is good. But, yeah, no, if Jacobs is out and I have Booker on the team, I would start Booker over Miles Sanders, for example, you know, and that's not something I thought I'd say a couple of weeks ago. But, right. yeah, I mean, I, 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 I have no problem with that. And you have knowledge across the spectrum of, of football. I love the way you talk about the players. Uh, 
You've had a great year. Uh, You've had a great year in the tournament and continued good success. But I think we must talk about your success as a dynasty league player. And if you have, uh, if you have listened to this show, you, you, you know that I Mm -hmm. I beat the drum loudly uh, about Mm -hmm. my favorite rookie receiver, Chase Claypool. And I was asked a similar (laughs) question in the dynasty world. Mm-hmm. Would you, you know? Can you find anybody that's that's come through as a wide receiver this year that you like better than Claypool, Farrell? And I had to think a little bit of it. And it was thrown out there to me, and I'd like to get your answer um, uh, to this one: mm-hmm. Chase Claypool, Pittsburgh Steelers, mm-hmm. are right up the road from us here in Louisville, in Cincinnati. Uh, T. Mm-hmm. Higgins. If you're going to go forward, which wide receiver would you like to go forward with in your dynasty world? You know, I would be so happy to have either one of those. I do have people in some <laughs> leagues, uh, but I, I'm not going to hedge. I'll give you an answer. I do. I do have an answer where I, you know, it's a slight difference. Let me preface this by saying I'm a big Chase Claypool fan from what he did in Notre Dame and coming into the NFL and just settling into that offense and taking over from some of these alpha receivers that are around him. You know, he's done, he's done phenomenally well. But I, in Dynasty, if I had to give an edge, I would give an edge to T. Higgins over him. Um, you know, I love, I love what the Bengals did as far as from a team construct standpoint. You know, they went 1.01, they went with Joe Burrow, and then they came back at 2.01, and they committed to T. Higgins right there in that spot, you know, with a lot of other wide receivers out there. I think they want to build a foundation that includes, um, you know, Joe Burrow and T. Higgins, and that gives me a lot of confidence in T. Higgins as well. Not to say, I mean, he's had a great year anyway, you know. He, I think he's had like one one game under five catches since week five, and he's averaging over seven and a half targets a game. So T. Higgins is having a fantastic year. Uh, but I just like the the certainty of that situation where I feel they are prepping him to be the number one for Joe Burrow for the next half a decade, decade at least. And, you know, Claypool's great. Pittsburgh pass offense, obviously, always great. But Big Ben's getting there a little bit. I don't know how long he's going to be there or be at this level. So just the slightest wedges, I would have to go with Higgins. And that's the exact answer that I arrived at for the very same reasons. And you alluded to it earlier in the show when we talked about the value of stacking these quarterbacks yeah. and wide receivers. And and, and I think mm-hmm. it's it's become more of a thing uh, that I want to make happen uh, each, each time I draft. So congratulations uh, to anyone that does have Claypool and Higgins, but I too, <laughs> I as much as I love Claypool, <laughs> I, I've now found uh, a player that I would take over him in a certain situation. It's certainly T. Higgins. Hey, he's you know what's really funny about this, you know what's funny about this, Zach, and I don't know if this was the same in your dynasty rookie drafts this past year, but I never targeted. I, I I'm trying to think how many dynasty leagues I play in. It's probably like six or seven. And I didn't mm-hmm. target Higgins, and I didn't target Claypool in any of my drafts. But I still got them. Each, I think I got them each twice. And it was just because they just kind of fell to me. And I'm like, well, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with this guy. And I, I have been so thrilled. And it makes me wonder. I'm like, you know, am I putting too much time into researching when I can just find a guy that I don't hate and it, it turns out as well as Higgins and Claypool have this year? I don't know if yeah. that's the case or not. No, I mean, uh, you know, the one thing I will say just from my years of doing dining, first round, I love moving down. If I have the 106, 108, 109, give me a couple of early seconds. Let me move down. You can have your cam acres and uh, whoever else you guys wanted, the 106, 107, and let me take a chance at two rookie wide receivers going in the early second. Give me Denzel Mims and T. Higgins, and I'm okay with that, you know. Uh, I want as many cracks of those top elite players as I can get when they're entering the NFL, because there's so much uncertainty, but when people make those kind of trades where they want to move up in the rookie draft, I feel like they are just misjudging the level of uncertainty that's there, you know? You know, and you know what you could have done this year? You could have had the 107 in a lot of drafts this year, traded it, and that owner could have taken Justin Jefferson, and maybe you would have ended up with both Higgins and Claypool. <laughs> I'm sure that, that, that <laughs> happened in, in several leagues and, this year, and, you know, well, and, given and where I those would, players I would went. I okay with that, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, let's let's talk redraft here, Zach. And, and when you think about when you're prepping for your football guys drafts and, and everything like that, you think about, okay, I like this guy. I don't like this guy. Uh, I'm not going to take this guy here, but I might take this guy here. In terms of your pre-draft evaluations, in terms of 
what you invested in via draft capital in all these players. Who did you really get right as far as he's going to be good, he's going to be bad this year, and who did you miss on? So uh, the guy I got right on, and I alluded to him earlier, and I really was targeting him, at, especially at his value, was Keenan Allen. I desperately wanted Keenan Allen in the fourth, fifth round if I could get him in every draft I was in, every redraft league I was in. And I, I just think that he fell way too much because there was some quarterback uncertainty at the beginning of the year. But, I mean, even the worst offenses throw for a lot of yards in the NFL. And Keenan Allen is just an excellent route runner, great hands, doesn't drop passes. He's, to, to find him in the fourth, fifth round of draft, I was happy to pick him there. And I'm really happy that it actually worked out well. And I did not think Justin Herbert was going to be as good as he turned out to be. But I still mm. believe that Keenan Allen would have been a fantastic wide receiver no matter what. You know, Balky is uh, one of his greatest lines is, if, if you think long, you think wrong. <laughs> and, and I wish this week, because I, I have a confession to make. I started out in, in the tournament this week uh, very excited to have uh, Cooper Cup, uh, the, the touchdown saved. And, and so Cooper Cup had a, a credible starting game. I started the Rams defense, but I had a chance mm-hmm. to start mm-hmm. Cam Akers. And I didn't do it because I don't think I had enough time to think about it. There, there's, there's some other running back options on there, and they still may work out to be good. But, you know, New England had just thrown up a, a goose egg uh, the previous week before in the defense. And, and you know, the, the Rams are coming off of, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the old Thursday night game, which always gives you reason for pause. There's yeah. a lot of caveats associated with it. Do you have – a similar tough decision where you might have to uh, live with uh, Balky's admonition of don't think long or you'll be wrong a situation coming up this week. Cause it sounds like you've got a mighty lot of good players on this team. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, you know, um, one of the ones I do um, worry about, well, not worry about, but I, I mean, it's a slight decision is like, I really have a decision between Russell Wilson and Justin Herbert. And I think I'm going to go with Wilson, even though he has not been good the last three, four weeks. And Justin Herbert is playing Atlanta Falcons, and everybody knows you start every quarterback you can against the Falcons. But I think I'm going to stick with Russell Wilson. That's one of them. And then in, in a couple other leagues, I have smaller decisions. I have to decide between, you know, Marquise Brown and um, Gallup, Michael Gallup, or uh, – Mike Davis and Debo Samuels. I have some decisions like that I need to figure out. I'd love your input on any of those if you if you have any. I, before we get to that, and, and I'm, I'll we'll certainly help you out. I should I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Zach's lineup that that you have in your first place team right now. Currently, you have Wilson in as your quarterback. Your backfield are, are is Aaron Jones and Chris Carson. Um, Adam Thielen, mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, Tyler Lockett at receiver, Travis Kelsey at tight end, Rodrigo Blankenship, uh, the kicker, and then Seattle defense uh, in Mm -hmm. as well. So, obviously, if the Seahawks take care of business against the Jets and do it in handily, you know, in a a very handily fashion, you are going to be reaping the rewards. Wilson, Carson, Lockett, and the Seahawks defense all in your starting lineup there. Um, what, what, mm-hmm. So what's, what's the one that's really eating away at you, Zach, this week when, when you look at all your decisions? What's the one that you well, know, you've gone back and forth on the most? On this team, there really, to be honest, there really aren't any. I mean, I think the lineup I have said I'm going to go with, I did flirt with, like I said, I did flirt with putting Herbert in instead of uh, uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, I have Wayne Gallman on my bench. That's tempting, but I don't see any room for him on this lineup. Fine going with this team the way it's set up. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he, Gallman is – this is how good the team is. Like, where Gallman is, has been great. You know, he had that streak of four or yeah. five games or whatever it was with touchdowns. It gets yeah. broken this past week, but he still goes over 120 yards rushing. I mean, that's, yeah. he's been great um, <laughs> this last yeah. month, too, and, and he's on your bench. So, I like it. I mean, it, it, it's, it's clear how you got here in the first place with this lineup. So, congratulations to you. Um, once you. again, I do have a few emails here for you. I think we got two for you, Zach, tonight uh, from sure. listeners. The first one's from Dylan in Saginaw, Michigan. Uh, is anyone worth starting for the Broncos this week when they take on Carolina? Thanks, Zach. That is Dylan in Saginaw, Michigan. Dylan, appreciate you listening and sending in that email. Um, 
it's weird with, with Denver because they have so much young talent on this team, maybe except for Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon. Um, but I don't know if I'm willing to play Locke or Judy or Fant or, or Patrick or any of these guys. How do you see the Broncos matchup for, from a fantasy standpoint this week against Carolina, Zach? Um, actually, I thank you, Dylan, for your question. But I'm actually going to disagree with you slightly on that. I, I would have no problem starting uh, Tim Patrick or DJ Shark this week. Uh, I'm sorry, um, Jerry Judy this week. That's what I meant. Um, mm-hmm. Just because uh, I think I think this matchup is really really set up well for Denver. I think Denver's going to have to throw. I think Carolina's going to come out. They have you know they have nothing to lose. They're they're going to be out there scoring. They both pay, play at a fast pace. Um, and that cornerback group in Carolina with Rasul Douglas and Dante Jackson, they've been beat a lot of times. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't play you know, these young receivers over, you know, if you have great options. But if you're looking for someone to come in and, you know, I, I think one of those two, Tim Patrick, or and I would actually go with Jerry Judy, I think will have a really nice day on Sunday. Farrell, you see that the same way with Jerry Judy bouncing back this week? Okay, there you go. Okay, that's uh, well, maybe I'm going to have to shift my focus here and maybe find a way to flex out Jerry Judy. <laughs> in a couple of my lineups where, where uh, I, you know, that are, are still meaningful this time of year. Um, one more well, email here. Do a good game, so. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You know, the, it, it, you know, it's the squeaky wheel gets the week, the grease too. You know, he, he tweets yeah. out, well, at least I got my conditioning in. Then he deletes that tweet. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to find ways to, to get him the ball this week uh, for sure in, uh, in Denver. Yeah. Um, let's go it's to, to uh, got to keep them happy. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. Um, Dan in Albany, Georgia. With so much on the line for you right now, do you find yourself researching players more on the internet, listening to more podcasts, or reading what analysts are saying more? That is Dan in Albany, Georgia. This is interesting, too, because I think the, you know, for me in these situations in the past, and I know I say, you know, think long, think wrong, but uh, I, I do think it's worth spending a little bit more time making sure that, um, that, that you're going with, um, with the right players in, in your starting lineup, making the best possible decision. Do you find yourself, Zach, doing this the same time of year that, you know, you will spend a little extra time working on these lineups and making sure that, that it's, it's the best possible one you can be submitting? Yeah, I actually I love this time of the year because, you know, the, now I really get to focus on the teams that are actually doing well. You know, for the longest time, I have a lot of teams. Um, you know, I'm working with waivers. I'm getting as much information as I can, trying to make my worst teams better. But now is the time where I really can focus on the good teams, really drill down on individual matchups that I want to see, uh, anything that worries me, doesn't worry me, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, yeah, I do find myself – I definitely find myself reading a lot more than listening. I listen to a lot throughout the season anyway, to podcasts. But reading, reading up more uh, matchups and stuff, I, I do find myself doing that a lot more. That's, um, that's interesting. I've got a I've got a question for you before I get to my final question, Bobby. Sure. If you have, if you want to jump in there with anything before I do, but no, please go ahead. How how much football mm-hmm. do you watch? How much actual gameplay football are you watching in a week? Because you impress me as a guy that watches a, a lot of football. You talk about not you're a numbers guy. You're an accountant. But it yeah. seems to me that you're very familiar with the athleticism of these players, which you can only you can only uh, teach yourself that by seeing it. And then you've talked a couple times about what you've what you see uh, in, in these players. So, so how much are you watching? I do, I do watch a lot, a lot of football. I, I mean, every Island game I'm obviously watching, but all the Sunday games I usually do try to catch a lot of them on the NFL All Access Pass and stuff like that. So, I do, I do like to see. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, the thing I'm watching for is not necessarily, um, you know, the, one of the things I really like to watch is defensive players. Cause I think that, that is an edge that you can't easily find in things you read. I, you know, I don't, I don't need to watch Jerry Judy or CD lamb to know that they're going to be really good wide receivers. I can see them twice. And I know that already, you know, but I want to see, mm-hmm. I want to see Rasul Douglas, you know, as a cornerback, see what he's going to do against, uh, a mediocre wide receiver or against a good wide receiver. And I want to see how I can exploit that going forward. So I do look for those kind of things. I look for, uh, I look for defensive lines on how they play against running backs and things like that. So just little things like that, you know, like, you know, I mean, I, I'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot here, but, you know, the Colts, 
you know, the Colts defensive line gets a lot of credit for stopping the running game, and they have been good all year. But I'm kind of intrigued by this matchup this week with the Raiders, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see because I do feel like there's, there's a couple of holes that have popped up recently. So those are kind of things I look out for. You know, when I'm sitting and watching, I just want to kind of get a feeling for that kind of stuff. And if you know if you know defenses and you know what an offense can do against them, you now get an idea of what down and distance will look like. You know, PI doesn't show up, the pass interference right. doesn't show up in in the receivers' opportunities and mm-hmm. uh, or, or production in fantasy football. But it makes a big big difference for whether a team's going to be able to score the ball if you've got running backs and. And on that team, it's very fascinating how you look at that. So since you watch so much, okay. this question is probably the best. You're probably the best person that we can that's been on the show. And the guys have been okay. good at answering this okay. question. The guys I know, have been I know. Really, I, I, really. I played with a lot of them. They are good. Yes. <laughs> they, 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 they've done. They've done a great job. So here is your chance yeah. to outdo them all. Um, <laughs> What the, the question I always love. I live, I live to ask, uh, and I'm okay. just hoping you'll pick a player. I look at your roster, and it's you can It's a you cannot make a mistake roster. So I don't yeah. have any rosters like that. So I would like <laughs> you to give me first the bust, and then a sleeper, a sleeper that you think the majority of FFPC and football guys uh, players uh, in the championship this week would be smart to put in in a flex position. Bust and flex sleeper. Okay. Um, with a bust, uh, how bold do you want me to be? Should I, do you want a top-level bust? I mean, like, I could pick someone oh, like Gurley, you know? Like, I, I think that is the best think, kind. Yeah, that, that's the dirtiest kind of bust. Okay. We must have that. So, uh, so a starter that I don't know how you bench him, but a person I would be worried about this weekend, uh, it would be uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I don't mm-hmm. like this matchup for him at all. I think the Giants' defense is playing extremely well. They're playing hard uh, for their coach right now. I think James Bradbury is actually playing phenomenally well. And I think DeAndre Hopkins. And, of course, this is going to come back and, you know, shoot me in the face because he's such a good wide receiver. And he, I mean, Jalen Ramsey locked him up, but he still came out with a really good fantasy day. So, uh, but I, that's the one that I would worry about. Um just so I can name a couple other busts so I don't sound completely stupid when DeAndre Hopkins No, is no, that doesn't think... sound completely stupid. It's very, very ballsy, and I think very, very correct. He was unhappy this past yeah. week and talked about it on the sidelines. And, and uh, Balky says that the squeaky wheel gets the grease, or in this case gets the ball thrown to him. We'll see, but I, I feel yeah. exactly like you do. So I don't think you have to temper it with any others. I think it's a perfect bust, but if you've got others, let's hear them. I would not be starting someone like Todd Gurley or even like Kareem Hunt. I would be a little scared to start him against that Ravens defense. Those are a couple mm-hmm. I just would be a little more wary about starting if I had better options. Um, as far as sleepers, um, one of the ones I was going to say was uh, Jerry Judy. I really do like him in this game against Carolina. But another one I do like is, uh, and this is kind of a really deep one, and especially if you're chasing upside or if you're behind in a matchup, but I like Marcus Valdez uh, Scantling, MVS, let's just say. Uh, I like him mm-hmm. a lot this week against Detroit. I think uh, the Detroit corners are in trouble. You know, they uh, their outside cornerbacks cannot cover anybody. And I think Aaron Rodgers is right now playing out of his mind. And I think MBS is going to get a couple of really nice shots to get some big scores this weekend. All right. So Red before, zone all day for any, those Packers. Mm. Before <laughs> we go any further on, on this, I do want to bring this up. So I obviously follow the Packers very closely living in Northeast Wisconsin. I'm going to say this right now. Uh-huh. The Lions have hemorrhaged touchdowns to number two receivers all season long. Um, we found Absolutely. out today from Matt LaFleur that Alan Lazard is still going to be on somewhat of a snap count because they don't want to disrupt his, his core or whatever uh, after he had that surgery mm-hmm. on it. So that means more uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And I'll say this yeah. as well. The Packers, yeah. know, and this is my hot take here, the Packers know mm. that they are, there's going to be a game where they're going to need Valdez-Scantling to make a big play. Um, they've already had games like that, and he, he made one against Indianapolis, and then he coughed it up too. But what I'm saying is that they know they're going to need him. I think it's a mental yeah. thing with him not being able to catch the football. Uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's extremely fast. I think it's a mental thing that he's not been able to catch the football. What better time to build up his confidence than a game, a divisional game, 
where you know you the, the second receiver is going to have a lot of opportunity to make some big plays. So that's why, Zach, I, I think that, that you hit the nail on the head with Valdez Gantley. I don't like him all that much. I've never cared for him all that much. But he's got a golden opportunity in front of him this weekend, and I think he takes advantage of it. I, and I agree. I agree completely. I'm not, I'm not a big MVS fan either. I do think he's very inconsistent. But I just think so many things line up perfectly for him for this matchup. Uh, just to add one more thing for the Alan Lazard thing. Uh, since he's been back 65, 70% of the time, he's also been in the slot where Detroit is actually decent. So I think all the more reason that works out in MBS's favor where they will, Aaron Rodgers will take shots deep. And I think you're right. They will get a game from Detroit where Green Bay is going to have to throw the ball and Rodgers is going to have to put up 30, 35 points. So I think I, I like that pick a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we like the pick of our, of our guests this week, for sure. To, Zach, to, to have you sure. on. Uh, leading the Football Guys Players Championship, going into the three-week championship sprint. Uh, listen, man, good luck. Congratulations on the success already. Good luck. I hope the ball bounces your way uh, the remainder of the season. You're obviously very well-spoken, very well-versed into uh, fantasy football. No question uh, that all our listeners understand how you got to where you are tonight. So hopefully, um, you never know, cashing a half-million-dollar check, we may just have to have you back on this show. <laughs> I'd be thrilled. That would be great. But, guys, thank you so much for having me on. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. Good luck, Zach. Take care. We'll talk to you later. Thank you, Carl. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. Bye. Uh, You can uh, follow Zach, by the way, on Twitter at Zach4477. Zach Lacani, the uh, regular season points champion in the 2020 Football Guys Players Championship. Great to hear from him. A lot of uh, insight. And I I never – you know, this is how great he was, Farrell. He got me to talk – Extremely positive about Marquez Valdez Scantling. <laughs> hey, you see, Valky, that is a complete fantasy player. You know, we've got yeah. guys that really, really are successful at certain elements of the game. There's a guy who's playing across the entire opportunity, and that's that's why I asked him that question about watching football because I could hear it coming from him. And he, you know, you hear some guys that are real good numbers guys. He's an accountant, so naturally he's a real good numbers guy. And and that's what they lead with. They think that's enough, or they think that's that's their forte, that's what they're best in, so that's what they lean into. This is a complete player, and he's going to be a threat in, in whatever contest he's playing in. Um, I, I, I totally agree. And he's already won several dynasty championships and that, and that's how he paid for his football guys teams this year that yeah. to get him in first place overall. So yeah, very good stuff. We might have to have him back on, uh, when, when dynasty season rolls around in uh, early spring for sure. All right, let's get to some emails here tonight. Farrell. We'll get to, we only got about seven or eight minutes left in the show. We'll try to get to all of them. Um, art in Greensboro, North Carolina. He writes, Hey guys, if Julio Jones is out this week, would I be better off starting Kirk Cousins over Matt Ryan? Love your show. Thank you, Art, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Well, we already know Julio Jones is indeed out. Farrell, Kirk Cousins is white hot. He has two awesome receivers uh, that he's been able to throw to. Uh, I don't know about this Falcons offense. I feel like it's trending down. Vikings, probably going the other way. I'm going to start Cousins over Ryan this week. Even if Julio was there, you would start Cousins over Ryan. The last, <laughs> yeah. last three games, three TDs uh, each. Uh, and you think. Well, Cousins, he's always good for a couple picks, only two picks over the last six games. Matt Ryan is having a terrible year, and when and when Julio's not there, he's nowhere near the, the same player he is. This is an easy decision and one that I was wrong about uh, throughout this year. Congratulations to anyone who was patient with Kirk Cousins, who anyone who picked him. You know, he was on the waiver wire all year. He, he was there yeah. for picking now he's one of the top scoring quarterbacks in the game, and he's got another uh, he's got another opportunity to throw it around against a very good team coming off a bye. But the way he's playing with those two receivers, and the fact that they're going to have to put up points to battle Tampa, uh, I think Cousins is a great start. You know, I think the Buccaneers' pass defense has, has been exposed actually the last couple of weeks. Yes. And I'll tell you, a, a guy, yes. you know that that I, here here's how you know it's twenty twenty. I'm more nervous about Dalvin Cook this week than I am about his real-life teammate, Kirk Cousins. I know Cousins mm-hmm. is going to put up numbers. I'm not sure about Dalvin Cook against the toughest rush defense in the NFL. Um, all right, true. moving on to John in Binghamton, New York. Binghamton? Yes, Binghamton. What's Binghamton. up, party people? It's 2020, so I'm obviously contemplating starting J.D. McKissick over Miles Sanders in the Football Guys Players Championship round. 
What would Farrell and Balky do? John in Binghamton, New York. All right, so I'll preface this by I get it. I don't think this is being too cute. I think this is exploring every possibility and making sure that you're putting in the players that you believe are going to do the best. That said, Farrell, I am a weak man, and I am not strong <laughs> enough to start J.D. McKissick over Miles Sanders oh. this week. I, I, I've seen it with my eyes. I know what Philly's doing. I know that Antonio Gibson's out. I still can't do it. I'm playing Sanders over McKissick. Balky, no. We've gone through this every week on the show. Joshua Doby McKissick is your man week in, week out. He had a bad week before the Steelers game. Uh, our guest, who's very well-spoken and very knowledgeable, said that uh, McKissick would not get any or, or play as we move forward. I said he would play against Pittsburgh. Well, it's still too debatable because we lost Gibson to the turf toe, but I think McKissick was on his way to have a contr- uh, contributory game. Now McKissick is needed, needed terribly. Uh, to come in and play with Peyton Barber. he's uh, They're going to have to play fast again uh, this week. Uh, 49ers have a, a, a chase defense, which wants to put pressure on this quarterback. They're going to have to drop the ball down to McKissick. McKissick is getting opportunities to run the ball. He ran the ball very well at the start of the season. He's getting some opportunities in the red zone to run the ball. He'll get more. McKissick is the kind of player that you need to be in business with. And, and you know, I, I got no better love for anybody than you. And, and Miles Sanders, a uh, city of brotherly love in Philadelphia, and, and my love for you, Balky, I'm telling you, Miles Sanders, is, 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 that's over. We haven't done anything since October. Uh, Boston Scott, rookie quarterback, uh, an offense that can't figure it out, itself out, much less stay on the field. It's not going to happen, sir. J.D. McKissick is your guy. You're strong enough right. to do it. I believe in you. All right, so here's the thing. So so Hudson Reeve just chimed in in the Yay, chat. Yeah, I've been wondering McK- where he was. Yeah, you know, he's been here most of the night. He, he said uh, he said McKissick is tempting, Balky. And so now I, I have to, I don't know. I have, So, okay, take, okay, to answer John's question here, Farrell is extraordinarily talented. He's very well-spoken, had a lot of success. It's a no-brainer for him. The weak man, the admittedly self-described weak man, is saying, start Sanders. So I think you have your answer here on what you need to do, and that probably is starting McKissick over Miles yes. Sanders. Um, yes, Don in that description, none of that is true in that description. <laughs> Don in Clinton, Oklahoma. Um, since Mike Evans is a bit hobbled and Chris Godwin just got those pins taken out of his finger, is that enough for you guys to endorse Antonio Brown over week 13, darling, QT? Thank you, gentlemen. That is Don in Clinton, Oklahoma. Um, Mike Evans, I don't know how hobbled he is anymore. He practiced in full today. Um, I, you know, if it comes down to Antonio Brown or QT, you know, I, I think I got to go with the recency bias here. Randall Cobb's on IR. Will Fuller is not, not um, uh, active for the rest of the season. Deshaun Watson showed a clear connection with, with Kuti. It wasn't like three catches for 100 yards. It was eight catches for 141 yards. So I think there's something there. I think I'd go with Kuti over, over Brown, given it, that it seems Evan Van Godwin will be out there. These are good problems to have, but we just talked about the fact that Minnesota's going to put points on the board. Uh, so is, is Tampa Bay. And, you know, we're in a situation, Balky, where uh, Tampa's coming off a of bye week, and guess what? We did not hear one thing about Antonio Brown. That's a good sign. That's a really good sign that he may be ha- getting it together and having his focus on football. We know the quarterback's going to focus on him, and we know coming out of a bye week, this is the kind of player with those ailing players. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Evans has become a two-route uh, skinny post and goal guy. That seems like all he does in this offense. Uh, Brown has got some possibilities here. I'm going to go Brown, and I'm going to say that the uh, Chicago Bears uh, find a way to the physically challenged Kuti uh, has a hard time getting uh, getting things uh, together against that defense. I'm going to go Antonio Brown here. Antonio Brown says Farrell Balky is going Kuti. I'm sorry we couldn't help you, Don, but uh, I think you got the explanations there uh, from both of us. Make the best decision and go with your gut. You know, with 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 you know mm-hmm. hair splitting decisions like this, I think you got to listen to your gut sometimes. And 
And, um, you know, oftentimes when I ask somebody who I should start, I kind of already have in mind who I want. And um, it it allows me to think about it from a different perspective if they disagree with me. And if they agree with me, well, then what the hell am I doing? I'm going to start who they're saying. I'm going to go with my gut. Final email here, Tim in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Hayden Hurst or Dalton Schultz this week, guys. It's the weakest spot on my roster, so I need to get it right. Thank you, Tim, for the email. Uh, this week, if we, uh, if we look at these two players, obviously we talked about how Julio Jones has been uh, already deemed out for the game against the Chargers. That's where Hayden Hurst will be. Dalton Schultz is going to be also on the road, uh, as Farrell said, just north of him at Cincinnati this week. So Schultz versus Hurst. Who you got here, Farrell? This is not a tough decision at all. If you've uh, you've really been challenged, my friend, if you've had Hayden Hurst in your offense, only 40-plus, just barely on the north side of 40, and without any breakout games, Hayden Hurst has not worked out for Atlanta. But now let's talk about Dalton Schultz. You know, uh, fantasy managers are uh, really bemoaning the fact that uh, Zach Ertz had such a rough decision. Dalton Schultz, poor man Zach Ertz, same college same physical build. Uh, Schultz can, uh, you know, he's lean, athletic. Uh, he can create uh, space, good blocker. If there had been a preseason or if there had been an imaginative coach on the Dallas sidelines, uh, this player would have been their starting tight end to begin the year anyway. Uh, he's he's blossomed. He's good. He's, uh, the only thing about him is he's got a little – a little less wingspan than you like. They're kind of a short-armed guy, but it doesn't hurt him in blocking. Very, very soft hands. Uh, Dalton can connect with him. I like Schultz. I, I think Schultz is going to be a very good player next year, and I think Schultz is easily your player this weekend if you're comparing him to Hayden Hurst, and there's a lot of other tight ends I'd play Schultz in front of too. Yeah, you know, it's it's so weird because – you, you look at Hayden, you look at the targets of these guys, and I'll just pick an arbitrary spot and say week seven. Um, for Hayden Hurst, seven targets, seven targets, eight targets, then two targets, then eight mm-hmm. targets, then only four targets. Um, so that's kind of bizarre. Dalton Schultz, you look at him, he's more consistent, but he doesn't have that ceiling. Six targets, four, or excuse me, eight targets, seven targets, six targets, five targets. So he's been kind of all over. Um, and this, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but I have Hayden Hurst and Robert Tunyon in a league, and I feel like I've made the wrong call with those two guys all year, and I feel like Hurst is – like I hold him personally responsible for it um, because he lays eggs the the weeks that Tunyon gets into the end zone. Um, I guess I'm going to say Schultz as well here. You know, I just like that um, the the way this offense is coming around now with Andy Dalton um, having all those options out there. I I don't know. You know, again, I – I know we want to be definitive on this show, but I can't, you know, speak wholeheartedly about either one of these guys. If these are your two choices, um, I'm going to lean towards Schultz, mm-hmm. uh, but I, but I get it. If you'd want to play uh, Hurst and said, um, listen, that, that is, um, that's a good way to end it uh, tonight uh, as we head into championship round weekend. Farrell, uh, good luck in all your leagues. Good luck in the championship round. Uh, and I hope the ball bounces your way, and, and we will do this again a week from today. Sound good? Thank you, Balky. I can use that luck, and and, uh, and I will look forward to talking to you about it as we uh, head down week 15. Excellent, man. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Remember to check out the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship at kffsc.com. You can compete against me and uh, Hudson Reed and Dave Gerzak and Tupacker. Uh, next year when uh, when those drafts get ready to go. A um, couple of programming notes here um, as we uh, before we sign off tonight. I just want to make, first of all, number one, thanks to Zach Watani, the FPC regular season points champion, for coming on tonight. Thanks to Farrell Elliott, the FFPC, Rob, Bryce, and, of course, each and every one of you for carving out some time in your schedule to listen to our little podcast. Rick Raymaker is on the High Stakes Lowdown. If you want to listen to another one of my little podcasts, uh, that is at rotoviz.com slash podcast or anywhere you get podcasts as well. Remember, if you're looking for uh, some more competition, the end of 2020, the start of 2021, both the FFPC, uh, World Famous FFPC Playoff Challenge and the Football Guys Playoff Challenges are open right now. Um, combined almost $2 million in a prize in prize pools between those two comp- uh, contests, $500,000 grand prize for the main of excuse me the ffpc playoff challenge hundred thousand dollars for the football guys 
Players Championship. $200 and $35 to enter. Extremely affordable and extremely fun at myffpc.com. We will be back next week at 10, 9 central uh, for your big week 15 fantasy preview. I always feel like the big breakouts for the championship round always happen in week 15. Maybe we saw one in week 14 with Pam Akers, as we talked about at the top of the show, but we could see another one in week 15 as well. Happy Hanukkah to all of my Jewish friends that are listening to this podcast. Uh, certainly appreciate you guys tuning in and women. And enjoy the rest of week 14, everybody. Your championship round opening weekend starts now. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and heard around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, interviews, and advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you again next week. Thanks, Frederick the Younger, for our outro music. Check out all their music at frederickthejounger.com and, of course, quiethollers.com, responsible for the intro music that you heard again tonight. Hope the ball bounces your way uh, this weekend. I I know a lot's on the line. Uh, Very excited to watch week 14 along with all of you, and we will talk to you next week.